0: Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossoverNorman. Enjoy the message. Shalom! How's everyone? Man, come on. Can I get a boomer? That's what I like to hear. Are we excited to be back at Crossover? Come on now. Golly. I was telling some other people, I never thought I would be excited for rain. All right? Because I will take rain over snow any day. My goodness, it just oof hurt my heart the last couple of weeks. Let's pray. I gotta pray, pray into that mess. Let's do that. Father, we come to you right now and we don't take this lightly. We are entering into your presence. You are here, you are near. Let us be able to just open your word just for a few moments and be able to hear the words that you want to implant into our hearts. Let us be able to take this word, let it be able to take it as truth. Let it be a light for us. Lord, let let it guide us, but not just guide us anywhere. Let it be able to guide us closer to you. Lord, still our minds, still our thoughts still our worries. Let us, just for these moments, not think about anything else other than what can I learn from the Word of God tonight, and we're excited about that. Amen. We ask this in your name. Amen. Man, I am so excited to be back. The staff is excited to be back. We've been praying for this moment. I already feel like it's like the 12th week of school. It feels like we missed like half the semester, all right? Like midterms are just around the corner. Are you ready? All right? Come on. Some of you are like, crap, midterms are around the corner, all right? Um, let me just tell you what made me pray extra hard these last couple weeks that we missed. Like I absolutely dislike, all right? I, I, I can't say hate because we don't say that in our house, so I got a dislike what I really dislike? No, it's not. Hate, hate. Hate just sounds better. I hate missing crossover. I hate canceling it, um, and it's for this reason alone. Is because for these last two weeks, I just felt like, man, the devil's making some ground up these past couple weeks. Like, I, I just feel like, man, we are limited on our on like how many events that we can have with crossover per semester, and I'm like, man, the devil got two of those, and like, I mean, I just really hit. Um, My praying knees hard, and I was like, Jesus, like, man, like, what are we supposed to do? And, like, man, he starts just, like, calming me down. He says, man, listen, there are so many students in crossover who know that, like, Jesus is still real, and, like, Jesus is more than just a Tuesday night. Do we have some of those in here? Come on now, right? And I tell you, I had this just overwhelming peace in my life when I just started thinking about... Um, so many of the stories that I've heard, just even these past couple months, of how many sorority sisters are going and infiltrating the sorority and telling them about Jesus, and how many fraternity brothers are going into their fraternity and telling people about Jesus, and people going in their dorm rooms and in their apartment complexes and telling people about Jesus. And I started just remembering all these stories that we got people in and on this campus that are on fire for Jesus. And if we close down on a Tuesday night, it doesn't matter because Jesus. Jesus is still real every other day of the week, amen? And that's what gave me peace. So listen, if we're not here on Tuesday night, that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't still needed on this campus every other day this week. And it just gave me a peace that we got people that care about Jesus. You know what this semester marks? It marks seven years since Crossover's existence. Come on, look at what Jesus has done for seven years. Come on. Seven years ago, my wife and I, we trusted this crazy call from Jesus to um, literally leave everything that we knew and start a ministry with nothing and nobody. I'm telling you, I was scared then. I'm a little scared now because it still seems so surreal of a call. It's a huge call on our life, and like, I just can't imagine all the relationships that we got to build over those seven years and just all the changed lives, and I'm so thankful for it, but I have learned a couple things Um, being a college minister at the University of Oklahoma. I specify University of Oklahoma because I believe that college ministry is different for every campus, all right? And this is what I mean. Some of the things that I learned from um, the University of Oklahoma is simply this. Well, first off, what what I've learned is that OU is consisted of mainly Texas and Tulsa people, all right? Like for some reason, everybody who's from Texas say boomer. Everybody's from Te- uh, Tulsa say sooner. sooner. I'm telling you it's just like crazy how many Texas and Tulsa people actually like make up, oh you man, that, that out-of-state tuition, though, come on, it's real, amen. Hallelujah. The other thing that I've learned being a college minister is that college students are a bunch of procrastinators. Can I get an amen on that, right? Yeah. Like y'all are gonna wait till the last moment. All right, you're gonna get it done, but it might be done right on time, all right? Just a bunch of procrastinators, all right. I can't really say much, all right. Third, how you dress it oh you girls like to wear triple X hoodies, right? Down to their knees longer. Like they want they want them longer, all right? And guys, they want their shorts shorter, all right? And like I remember like my first semester of being here and like I saw a verbal argument between the two of the brothers at crossover and they're like, listen, like, like the five-inch seam is where it needs to be. And the other guy's like, no, four and a quarter, bro. You ain't cool unless it's four and a... I'm like, what I'm like measuring my boxers. I'm like, my boxers are longer than their shorts. Like I'm like, this is a whole different generation, all right? In my generation, if you like you didn't want to show your knee, like you wanted your shorts below, you didn't want to get your knees sunburnt, all right? And like I'm like, I just don't understand it. It's, it's crazy, all right? But let me preach a little bit. I know that there's another desire that I've seen on this campus, and I've seen it with hundreds of college students, is that if you have ever experienced Jesus in a real and emotional way, if you have ever really recognized who Jesus was and what He has done for you, and you've trusted that, and, and you have made Him the Lord of your life, Right? And you have that. What I have seen from college students on this campus is that there is this deep yearning to have a relationship with him and grow that relationship with him. The deep of, of God, his soul, calls out to your soul. And like you want to have it. You have a desire to grow in a relationship with him. I've seen it. I've felt it. But from so many students, that the deep is calling to the deep. Now listen, some of you, your lives might not look like it. I get it. Some of y'all your life might not look like what you feel inside. I get it. I know it can be hard in this world, but you have this desire to grow this relationship. Some of y'all have that growing desire every day, and you complete it, and you grow in him, and it's beautiful. But you know what else I've seen is I've seen that there's this other desire for another relationship. I know many of you, you cannot wait to find the person that you're going to be with the rest of your life. Can I get amen on that, right? Anybody want to be married up in here? Everybody's like, I burn with passion. I better get married, right? I see it. I know it. I talk. I, I lived it, right? I remember dreaming about the wife that I was going to have. And, th- and man, it, she, she definitely blew me out of the water. Like my wife out is, I mean, she's way better than me, all right? every youth pastor, college pastor says that, but my wife is better than me, all right? We're on kid number four. My goodness, pray for us. For one month, we're going to have four kids, five and under. Like, what were we thinking, all right? But we all have this desire to want to be with somebody, and we we want to grow with them, and we want to be able to have this relationship, not only with Jesus, but also with them. But listen, this is This is what we all know, but maybe we don't really talk about. We know without a shadow of a doubt that our relationship with Jesus will be deeply impacted by our dating relationship with somebody else. We know it. Some of us, we hide it. Some of us, we don't talk about it. Some of us, we do talk about it. Like we know that how close we are going to be with Jesus can be 100% affected by who we are dating. Like the person that I'm dating right now or the person that I'm going to be dating in the future, they're either going to push me further away from Jesus or they're going to push me closer to Jesus. I know some of you right now, you're starting to get that Holy Spirit conviction and you're starting to feel the tingles and you're starting to get the sweats going on right now because you know without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus has been saying, hey, listen, you don't need to be dating him. Some of you right now, some of you fellas, you know without a shadow of a doubt, God's saying like, hey, you don't need to be dating her. Like, trust me. Like, I got you. Like, and we keep on shutting our, the door on what he is telling us to do, and we know that we are called to do it, and, and we're just keeping making excuses and excuses, and I get it. Like, it would just be easier for us to stay in this relationship with this person. And I get it, maybe y'all are still like, you've been dating for a long time and and I understand it. But my question to you is, if we we are just real, how's your relationship with Jesus been growing these last four months? Or has the relationship that you have been a part of, has it taken the driver's seat and your relationship with Jesus has taken the back seat? Maybe some of us in here you got that Holy Spirit conviction because you are the wrong person. Now, I say that to call you up, not to call you out because if if 20-year-old Brent was in here in this stadium right now sitting next to my girlfriend, now given I had beautiful beautiful long hair down to my shoulders, I had a six-pack, I mean, I was looking fly, I still got the six-pack, it's just insulated, all right? I... Right now, I promise you, if I was 20 years old and and this guy was preaching this message to me, I would be feeling the conviction. I would be feeling the conviction not because she was the wrong person, but because I was the wrong person. Because I knew who Jesus was. I knew what Jesus had done for me. I knew what Jesus had done on the cross to save me for all eternity. I knew that, uh, that I trusted him and, and, and that he rose for me and he, he gave me life and life eternal. But I still knew that he was calling me to do something greater. And I wasn't supposed to be with this girlfriend. But I kept on shutting the door and shutting that off and, being, and still being the person that I wanted to be and I thought I should be, but what's funny is that I hated who I was. Like, I was the bad guy. Listen, students, maybe some of you in here, you're either with the wrong person. Maybe some of you in here, you're being the wrong person. Maybe some of you are looking for what the right and wrong person is. Listen, I've listened to many sermons on dating and the subject of dating and um, what I can tell you about dating is simply this, is that you can't teach on dating without making it some type of discipleship form in a sermon. Because really, in, in in dating, dating was never actually really discussed in the Bible. Dating is actually fairly new. It happened about 100, 112 years ago is when dating even started circulating through this world. But as of... Today, if we are going to look at this passage and understand what Jesus is calling us to be, I think it'll be impactful because we are talking about real relationships today come on that's that's a that's a great title come on, give it to Jesus He gave it to me but this is this is the focus I want to be on today. who are we supposed to date that 's it. who should we date and and, and go looking at this, I, I've, I, in years past, I've, I've spent you know, time on, well, this is what she should look like. And I've spent time on, this is what he should look like. And I think that's powerful. Go back to those messages. I think God used them. But I think for this lesson, for today, I think we should look at what should a child of God look like. And I don't think it's only going to convict you about who you should date, but I think it should also convict you on who you should be. So today we're gonna to be in First Timothy where Paul is writing some of his last letters in his ministry to his protege, or for some of you Star Wars fans, to his Padawan, all right. Only you geeks know that one, but I'm semi geek. All right, love it. And Paul is older, and his ministry is coming to an end, and he realizes it. And so, so Paul is trying to summarize the last 30-something years of his ministry, and he's trying to say, man, this is what the church should look like. This is what eldership should look like. This is what discipline should look like. And he's just trying to throw out all these nuggets of truth, all in these last letters. He's trying to give all the wisdom and all the power that he can to his, his people. And Timothy happens to catch some of it towards the end, and he's trying to... To show them how they can grow and how they can be like Christ. I love that actually in chapter 4, the section that we're going to focus on today, I love how this sentence, uh, these scriptures uh, is labeled. It's labeled a good servant of Jesus Christ. And I believe that this title is very fitting for us for two reasons. Because again, I think it's going to hit us, but it's also going to show us what type of person that we should connect our life with of this type of person that when, that when we are looking and evaluating somebody, these are the certain standards that they need to have. Now, something a little different that I think that we need to look into before we get rolling on the four points is I think we need to see if there is a prerequisite to all this. In chapter 4, verse 6, let's start there. This is what it reads. Here's the prerequisite. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, than, rather, train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise to what? Promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Man, that's, that's, big, that's a big phrase. The saying is trustworthy and deserving and full of acceptance. For this to the end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. There is a prerequisite. Students, I'm gonna set the pre- prerequisite not only for who you should be, but for someone who you are looking for In dating is that they need to have a prerequisite that they need to love Jesus and love Jesus passionately and have a desire to to read his word. And his word is not only a book to their life, but the word gives them life. And they are sold out on Jesus. And they are trying everything that they can to grow in godliness, to grow in in love of Jesus, and to be able to proclaim it to the mountaintops. They are a true sold out Christian. That is a prerequisite to who not only you should be, but also who they should be. But we need to move on. We need to look at, some of the things that we also should be. Verse 11, it says, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers in example, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in impurity. Listen, first off, when I look at this, I love the fact that it says that let no one despise you for your youth, now, first off, just looking at the history lesson here, Timothy was actually around 40 at this time when, when Paul was telling him, like, let no one despise you for youth. Does that take a load off of any of y'all's shoulders? Like, this world's like, you need to have your whole life figured out in the next two years or you're gonna fail, right? Like, some of you are like, I don't even know what major I'm gonna be and I'm a junior, right? Like, I don't know what my future job is gonna be. Like, like, listen, like, Timothy is 40 and Paul's like, hey, I, I understand you're still trying to figure some things out, all right? Don't let them despise you for your youth. Like, that just gave me hope, all right? Like, like I love the fact that he's still trying to figure some things out. But what does Paul say? If, if the word of God has touched your life and Jesus is a big part of your life, he says this, you should set an example in something. First one he says is they should be an example in their speech. Man, I love that Paul's first thing that they need to be an example of is this, because he says the first warning, he says, Let no one despise you for your youth. What is the quickest way that someone can see how immature you are? It's by by how you speak. It's how you talk, it's how you conversate with people. Your speech can be a reflection of how immature you are. Luke 6.45 says this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and an evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Now listen, if I could just change the dating game, I swear I got a great formula, All right, I swear I got it. All right, I just I haven't tried it on anybody, but hey, if you trust me with it, let's try it one time. But I wish that if say one girl comes up to me and Caroline's like, I want to date somebody. All right, I'm like, okay, listen, I got three guys, but you got to talk to them on the phone for a month, and you can't see what they look like, you can't smell what they smell like, right? Like, but four weeks, like all you can do to get to know them is by talking to them and and you're listening to the words that are coming out of their mouth and if you can only judge them by the words that come out of their mouth and that's the only way that you can really get to know them I think that the dating game would change because most of us let's be honest be honest with me most of you when you start wanting to date somebody it's because of what they look like amen Most of you judge what their athletic ability is. Some of y'all judge, you know, the way that they walk or, you know, maneuver in this world, right? I don't know what it is that y'all look for. Some of y'all are just some crazy people up in here, all right? But this is my push for you. This is what I feel like we are able to look at, is judge their maturity in their speech. Because what comes out of their mouth is a reflection of their heart. I think before you connect your life with somebody, you need to be able to ask them some real questions. You need to get them talking. And ask them like, man, I mean, just ask them simple questions at first. Just, How's your week? How's your friends? Tell me about your family. Tell me about who you are. Tell me what's going on in life. And this is what I want you to do. Please, if you could, if you could cover your eyes. If you could not fall for what they look like just at first, but give them a chance to be able to speak to you. And you just be able to listen to them with an intent ear, really trying to see who they are at in their heart. And listen, are they someone that is, is negative and everything is, is going downhill? Or is it someone that is spiritually mature? Now some of y'all ask, well, why didn't you say, you know, you said negative. Why didn't you say positive? Because I'm a, everything is good in this world. Not everything is perfect in this world. Like like I understand that. Like we have to be real with what's going on, but but there is negative and there is spiritually mature. Now listen. This is kind of where you have to get creative here. Because when you start talking to this person is everything Negative, like like how's your friends? Well, listen, man, you know, like I guess some I guess some alright friends for me to the fine friends, man. My family, listen, my family's all messed up and, and things are hard and school is hard. And, or like, like you just start listening to them. Like just start listening to the words that they say. Are they negatively bent towards everything? Are they self-centered and everything comes back to them? And like you just start seeing who they really are, or are they spiritually mature? And this is what I mean by that is that when you have this relationship with Jesus, there's always an end hope. There's always a hope for Jesus to fix the situation. Like, man, listen, I got, some, I got some good friends, and then I got some missionary friends, some friends that I'm trying to missionary to, right? I'm trying to show Jesus to. And they have this bend of like, yeah, things can get hard, and yeah, we've had our ups and downs, but man... Jesus has blessed me with some of these friends that man they're helping me be better or Jesus is you know what I'm, I'm really focusing on this friend group and you know what I haven't really made an impact yet but I know that I will I know that Jesus is going to do something I'm praying that God will open a way for me to be able to be a light in such a dark environment and I'm praying for that right my family but it hasn't been a good situation my family's been hard my upbringing was hard but I'm so thankful that God took me from where I was to where I am. And they have this bend of always turning everything back to Jesus. And just promoting Jesus and trusting Jesus is going to take them wherever they're going to be. Man, school's hard, but you know what? I'm going to do it the best that I can. I'm going to be able to pray it up, right? And I know that Jesus is going to do something with my life. And I trust that it's going to make me happy. And I think it's going to give him glory and give him praise and, you know, build up the church. I really do think that God is going to do something amazing. Like it's just this bend towards always taking everything back to Jesus see speech reflects the heart do they bend everything back to Jesus is there a holy aroma over the words that they're saying is there just a is there there just an overall maturity of being able to handle themselves in an adult climate because listen students if they don't if they don't have that bend towards Jesus, if they only have that bend towards negativity, if they only have that bend towards themselves, listen, if they don't have that, it's either because they don't have a relationship with Jesus, and they're all to Jesus and walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus and praying with Jesus. You can't tell me that they're not willing to bend everything back towards Jesus. You can't spend time with Jesus and not want to talk about Jesus. They give us a number two, though. They must be and set an example in their conduct. I love what first Peter says in 1:15. It says, "But as he who called you is holy, you also should be holy in all of your conduct." Proverbs 20:11 says, "Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright." My wife and I, we're going to be married for 10 years February 16th. Give it up to Jesus for that. Come on now. Right? I've fooled her long enough, amen, like 10 years now. and my wife there, I mean, she can literally almost read my mind. like if I'm walking weird one day, she'd be like, "Oh man, he's in a bad mood, right? Like like just even by how I walk, she knows what type of mood I am. So like, I don't really surprise her that often about maybe who I am. Like, I don't catch her off guard about something that is new in my life. Like, 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 like she just knows me. Now, for those of you who know me, you know that I love a good, a good lawn. All right. I'm got, I'm that old now. Right. I love a good grassy lawn, thick and lush. Like that's like, that's where I've gotten in my life. All right. Last planting season, Got my got my seed all prepped. Got my topsoil on it. I've been watering it for about four days. Got another about you know another four days left before I start getting those little speed, like seed sprouts. I'm excited about it. All right. Every morning I get up with my cup of coffee and yes, I watch my grass grow. All right. That's that's walk out there. I'm excited to see it. Have my cup of coffee, and no, I'm not exaggerating. I had 94 armadillo holes dug in my front lawn guys listen listen I didn't cry on my wedding day but I about cried seeing the 94 holes in my front lawn like seriously it it affected me all right and my wife looks at me she goes you better kill that thing right so that night we're looking on our ring doorbell trying to scope it out see if that armadillo comes back and no lies about one o'clock in the morning she's like "Brent." He's out there, go kill him, right? I jump up out of bed, grab my nine mil, all right? In the middle of Norman, all right? And I'm like walking, I'm like, wait, I can't cap this dude in the middle of Norman. Like, the cops are gonna be called on me, all right? So I grab my hatchet, all right? No lie, and I'm sneaking around the back of my truck, my neighbor, for some reason, thinks it's a good time to take his trash out. He's taking his trash out at 1 o'clock in the morning. He sees me sneaking with a hatchet. <laughs> like, he just turns around, leaves his trash can in the middle of the driveway, and walks in and shuts his garage door. I was like, okay. But then I'm getting closer to the armadillo, and I think, can I really hatchet this dude? Like, am I all right with brain and, like, matter coming on my face and, like, blood everywhere and, like, like, is this even going to make it through the shell? Like, I don't even know what's going to, like, I'm like, am I this person? Like, a hatchet in one hand and a knife in the other? I'm like, am I just like this killer? And then it, like, flips on me. I'm like, he's doing nothing wrong. Like, he is doing what he's created to do. Like, he's just doing armadillo things, right? And I'm like, poor little guy, right? So I grab my trash can, I sneak up on armadillo, and I scoop him up. And put him in a trash can, and I drove him five miles out of town, dropped him off a nice little forest area, right, make sure he has a great life. Come back. My wife looked at me. In a way, she's never looked at me before. She goes, you wimp. <laughs> why wouldn't you have killed that giant rat with a shell on it? Like, why do you have mercy on him? Like, he is—he tore our yard up, for goodness sakes. And I was just like, I just I just couldn't do it, man. I just... And she like ripped my man card up that day, right? I felt like an inch tall. Like she's like, I didn't, know that. I didn't know that side of you, Brent, right? I didn't know who you were. She learned something new about me that day. You want to know what my wife hasn't learned new about me before we ever even started dating? My wife interrogated me very hard. She knew how much I loved people. She knew how much I loved Jesus. And she knew how much I wanted people to love Jesus. She knew it, very thing, but she never thought she was going to marry a minister, and it was scary for her. But she could see that I was so in love with people, and I was so in love with Jesus, and I wanted people to know Jesus. Like, she just, she fell in love with me more, because she trusted who I was, and she saw it, she experienced it, she, she, she tested it a couple times, and she was able to see the truth that was inside of me. And listen, you know what is heart wrecking for Caroline and I, and this has happened more and probably in the last six months than it's happened in a while, is that we get more and more mar- marital counseling sessions with people. They just come and talk to us about their marriages. And and this is what we have heard more than more I didn't really know this. Is I just really didn't know the person that I was marrying. Like I just didn't really know this about them and it wasn't like I didn't know that they couldn't kill an armadillo it was more like no I didn't know how jealous that they were going to be about me. I didn't know how controlling they were going to be. I just didn't know how insecure they were with literally everything. And they couldn't go and make friends and, and go try new places. They couldn't even go to church because of everything that was going on with them, they would rather be alone than, than be with anybody else. I didn't realize how mean they would be to me or mean how, or mean to others. I didn't realize how much that they didn't believe in the Bible. I didn't realize that, that they didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. I didn't realize how nasty they would get when things would get a little tough. It just over and over, like I just didn't know who they are. And here's where this is coming from. You ready for this, students? Is that so many of us, we attach our lives to people before we actually know the person. Am I right? Like Like we start dating someone and then we try to get to know them more. We try to get to know who they really are. Like, like it just sounds crazy. Like, I'm going to attach my life with somebody, tell the, tell the world I'm their boyfriend or their girlfriend, and I really don't even know who they are. I don't know how they will treat me when they get mad. I don't know how they handle stress. I don't know what their, their, their life looks like with Jesus or how they read the Bible or interpret the Bible or how they apply the Bible to their life. I have no idea how they're going to love people. Jonathan Picluda said it this way in one of his sermons. Past performance shows future performance. You know, some of us, we do more history research, do more research on the car that we're going to buy and drive for three years than someone that we're going to date and maybe spend the rest of our lives with. Some of y'all are like, no, I don't want that car. Man, I had an engine rebuild. I don't want that car, we're gonna dismiss it, but but we're gonna attach our lives with somebody who doesn't love Jesus and who isn't in awe of Jesus and who doesn't praise and worship Jesus, and we might we might attach our lives to them. Some of us, we might not like the interior of a car and we're gonna deny it, but you know what? We might attach ourselves with somebody who who has been in, in and out of relationships for the last five years and hasn't been in a relationship, out of a relationship more than like a couple weeks, maybe a month, and it's just time and time again. If their past performance and how they treat others and how they act and how they think isn't looking good, then it's probably not going to be good in your future. What if we did some examination? What if I asked you to take another step back, listen to the words that they say, but also look at the conduct that they have? And what if you did some research? What if you did a real scoop? What if you brought your friends in and say, all right, listen, I'm kind of liking this guy or I'm kind of liking this girl. Like, Like, help me try to understand this person. Bring them into your friend group. Let them be able to talk with them and be able to hang out with them and get to know them a little bit. And you'll be surprised how some of your friends are like, listen, I've prayed about this. And like, like, that dude, yes, he's looking good in the Lululemon five-inch shorts, all right? But I know in my spirit he's going to play you. I just know it. I can feel it. Let's pray about it. And I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of girlfriends save a lot of girlfriends from some controlling guys. And, and guys, what if you had some guys around you that's like, listen, man, she's great. She's fun, but, but I actually know a friend that knew her. And man, she actually had like three or four boyfriends over the last three years. And let me tell you, like, like it just didn't end up well for them. Like you brought other people in on the, circum- on the circumstances that you're having, on this potential relationship. And you all examined her conduct or his conduct and you got to understand who they were. Now I know some of you right now, I know some of you right now might have struck a chord with feeling horrible about your past. And I think that some of you, you might have some real shame about your past. This is just a little side note. And, and you think, why in the world would some godly guy who knows my history, why would he ever look at me in his future? Or why would some godly girl ever take me if, if I have this horrible past and I have a horrible past, why would she ever take me if she's this good godly girl? Now listen to me, students. I've heard this and it's just... I love how one of the pastors took it. He says, track records can be wiped clean if their repentance is as good as their rebellion. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, but essentially, what this means is, is that if your conduct is still acting the way that you were in your rebellion, and you might still feel a little sorry for it but you're still acting the same way that you that you are sorry for that you are ashamed of then listen you're not really in repentance But students, listen, I have seen this happen thousands of times. If someone understands who they were before and that they needed to live for Christ and they gave everything to Christ and asked for repentance and and they started living for Christ and breathing in Christ and letting Christ breathe through them and letting his word control them and apply for them. Listen, I have seen so much restoration. I have seen so many people just transform their lives. I have seen so many godly people Will go for godly people that have a rough past. And I'm telling you, God can use it. God can use you. You are a child of the king. He can, he can make you whole. He can make you new. He can, he, when you ask for repentance, he, makes, uh, he forgets it as far as the east is from the west. So listen, let your repentance be greater than your rebellion. Which carries me over to the fourth item. It says this, we should be an example in love, but I also want to connect these two, not only in love, but also in faith. I'm grouping these together because I feel like it fits well together, because being an example in love and faith comes down to the same question, how much does the gospel impact their life? Y'all heard me say last week on our Instagram video that, that how well we love God is shown in how well we love God. Others? How well do we love others? How well does this person love others? Is their, is their life marked by the gospel like do they have a drawing to always want to be in the presence of jesus do they feel responsible for not only uh, growing in that love but do they also see the responsibility of sharing that love do they have a gentleness about them that in every circumstance they try to be gentle and be polite and be uh, be on fire for jesus and always leave the aroma of jesus in every situation that they have now students, I can't say this any more clear. We are all called. So you ready for the disciples of Jesus Christ? And being a disciple of Jesus Christ, you ready for this? Is sharing the love of Jesus Christ. We have the antidote to depression. We have the antidote to anxiety. We have the antidote to sin and shame. We have the antidote to hell and that antidote is Jesus and if someone is sick and dying or stuck we have the power of Jesus to go and spread the love of Jesus to everyone that we know that is how we are showing our faith and that is how we are showing our love is that we go and we share our faith and our love that Jesus loves them so much that he came and died for them and gave them life and gave it to them abundantly. Not only does this person that you are looking at, are they sharing their faith, but also I think it should be, how am I sharing my faith? Don't date someone who is not sharing their faith and love. And don't be someone who's not sharing their faith and love. Be an example in love and faith. The greatest Way to show your love and your faith is to tell people about Jesus. And last example is this: He says, "Be an example in purity." What is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. They're like, like, why is this purity thing? Why is this such a big deal? Why does the Bible talk about we Christians we need to fight for our purity? It's simply this purity is positioning your love of God in front of our desires for anything else. When you're fighting for your purity, you're positioning your love for God in front of your desires for anything else. And wherever you're at, you walk with Jesus for some of you, you can start that today. You can, maybe some of you started that 10 years ago. You fight for your purity. And when, when, when you're finding someone that you might want to date, maybe you need to ask them some questions. Ask them, like, how are you fighting for your purity right now? And trust me, they might be honest. Maybe some of them are saying, listen, like, I just don't ever lay in the same bed as somebody else. Like, like, me and you, if we ever dated, like, we ain't going to lay in the same bed together because that's just, the positions are just too comfortable, right? Maybe some of them, like, listen, like, like, I'm not going to kiss, I'm just going to peck, all right? Peck for Jesus, all right? Maybe some of them, like, listen, kissing is a slippery slope, we're just going to do nosies, all right? No, that'd be a little weird to see. (laughs) But maybe some of them, for reals, are like, listen, like, I don't trust myself with my, my, my cell phone and I leave it in the kitchen when I go to bed at night. Or I've put covenant eyes on every device I have and my mama gets the web report every single week and my mama checks it. Maybe some of y'all are like, listen, like I just can't ever be alone with another person in a private room. Like I just, like we're, we're going to have to be in public places if you want to be. Students who have thought about the parameters of their purity that they've thought about it and they protect it in every way that they can. And girls, find someone who's done some soul searching and knows what his weaknesses and strengths are with this subject. And guys, find a girl that is honest about how much she has grown and and how much she really wants to have a a real and a pure relationship with who's ever next. But as we close up here, I was wondering, like, like, why does Paul throw this this last punch of purity into everything that he is saying. Like, like I, I just like, why did he throw this into the mix? And I just thought about it, and the more that I thought about it, I realized, like, the people back then aren't much different than the people now. Like, they were still struggling with purity, the same way that many of us are struggling with purity, but we just have more resources to be impure now. Like, I think that Paul knew that many of these people's greatest struggles were having to do with something of impurity. Now, my question to you is what is your greatest struggle? What is your greatest shame? What is the greatest thing that you've had to overcome? What are the struggles that you're having in your life right now? Does it have to do with your purity? Can we say that we're much different? I don't think many of us can. But I think the same way out of their struggle is the same way out of our struggle in fighting for our purity. And that is when they choose to position their love of Jesus in front of every desire that they could possibly have. And listen, you start putting parameters around your life. And like like Colossians says, it puts to death Therefore, the earthly things that are in front of you, like you literally stop things and you block things and you have friends protect you and and maybe hold you accountable to some things and you put all these parameters around you because we understand that we want to put God number one above everything else. And listen, students, when you're looking for that special person, find someone that puts God in his right position in everything else. Fight for your purity, and I'm telling you, you will have a freedom that you could never imagine before, and when you have that freedom from whatever is going on in your life, you will want someone who is protecting that freedom as well. So students, as I close up here, I I don't know where you're at in this dating world, but I know that most of you, if not all of you, want this growing desire to grow in Jesus and to love Jesus and to be like, more like Jesus and seek his face more. And the people that we allow in our life to date, the, the, the people that we connect our life with, they can either push you closer to Jesus or they can pull you farther away from Jesus. Listen, if you need a standard on who to date, but also flip it and be a standard of who you need to be, here's the things. They need to set an example in their speech. They need to have an example in their conduct, in their love, in their faith, and their purity. And I tell you, it'll be worth it in the end.